0: North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast, I'm Christian Schroeder. Today on the podcast we feature a message from Shane Blau, one of the members of our teaching team. This is entitled, What's the Priority? And I apologize for the delay in getting this one up. This was actually from two weeks ago, but there's been a lot of stuff going on <laughs> these last two weeks and just haven't got around to it. So, let's go ahead and head to North Shore Vineyard Church check out this message from Shane Lau. Thanks for listening. Uh, we actually passed that uh crash yesterday about 20 minutes after it happened and uh got rerouted and saw it and i'm just i'm not gonna lie to you man i've had a bit of a black cloud hanging over my head since then just to see something so tragic so keep those uh keep those people in your prayers and their families because you know that's the thing about life you could be having such a beautiful uh, moment here today enjoying your family and friends and on the other hand someone else is experiencing such sorrow and so, you know, uh, you know, having kids, not knowing that, you know, just driving down the interstate, something like that can happen. So keep them in your prayer. But um, when Chrisman asked me to speak about this uh, this morning, uh, I was really uh, excited because I had this uh, topic in my mind about the kingdom of God that I've been thinking about for a while. And then I started doing research on it, and that went to a rabbit hole, that went to a rabbit hole, that went to a rabbit hole, and I just got lost. Um, you know, and so I just threw that away. <laughs> <laughs> the kingdom of God is a much bigger topic than I thought theologically. So this morning I want to do something a bit more practical and something that's a little bit more relatable to us as people. And uh, that something can be implied into our lives. And so this morning I hope uh, that we can all hear something that we can relate to and, and implement in our lives. Um, as I've said before many times in past speaking, one of the things I long for um, is to see the power of God. Uh, and when I say the power of God, you know, there's a lot of things that encompasses that. But really, in my own life, as I begin to reflect, uh, the truth is I've seen the power of God so many times. But, we, you know, we think of the, uh, the theatrical things, you know, the raising of the dead, opening of blind eyes. And those are awesome. I'd love to see that, too. But that is not even the most powerful thing that God offers us. There are these magnificent miraculous miracles that we would all want to see what he offers us that is so much more powerful it's the simplest of all things and it's a thing that we all can say I know I know I've heard it I'm not going to tell you anything this morning that you haven't heard before but it's the simplicity of it that makes it so difficult to comprehend at times and so this morning I, I titled my message what's the priority um, in my in my pursuit at times of wanting to see God got to work something out in my life you know I, I'll I'll do something a little bit different, whether it's praying more, perhaps fasting, perhaps reading my Bible more, meditating more, trying to give something to get a response from God. Yeah. You ever, you ever done that before? Yeah, we all have. Um, and really what it comes down to is that trying to find a way work. What can I sacrifice in my life to get the attention of God to get this result? And that's really the process of what your mind is doing when we think about getting something from God and offering sacrifices to God. But this morning, I want to talk to you about really the thing that God has been speaking to me and I've been seeing in my life played out over the last two or three years. Um, it's priority and it's principle. Now, the Hebrew word for principle means first, the first thing that you do. And principle and priority are hand in hand. you know. And there's nothing more frustrating than when you're in a season of brokenness or Trial or just questions or just uneasiness to where you don't feel like you're getting a response from God, and then you start throwing, you go to your bag of religious tricks and you pull it out. You you know, you pray loud. You may pray in tongues. You may you know do whatever you do, and then there's just nothing that happens in in response to that, and that can tell that can spiral you down a bit to a place of depression and uh, faith crisis and anger with God, anger with people, anger with yourself. But I want to look at two things this morning that I think could possibly help us with this. And so, what's the priority? What does God look of more favorably is really the question. Is it loving others, even those who may believe differently from us? Or prioritizing right thinking about God? Now, these two things uh, is reconciliation and belief systems. And it's when our belief systems begin to fail and God does not respond to our belief systems that we really come into a place of crisis at times. Belief systems are the reason in this country we have... We looked it up the other day at a teaching team. I think there's something like almost half a million churches in America with different, over 30,000 different denominations. That's fascinating and sad. <laughs> because, you know... We we told ourselves as a Christian nation, you know, you'll see the American flag and the Christian flag in most places, and, you know, we we just think, we've got this thing figured out. We are the best and brightest, and we are. We have a great culture, great people, but our belief systems have become God in so many ways that it causes division among believers themselves, and then we judge the world, but we're not participating with the world because we say they don't believe right, so they deserve what they get. God does not bless this people. God created us, us in his image and likeness. And I keep going back to, I know my last message, I spoke on love, and you're never really going to hear me veer too far off of that. Um, But I want to look at a few scriptures this morning to kind of help you see what I'm talking about. One is in 1 John. It says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. I I can interpret that for you. It's pretty straightforward. If we claim to know God and we say that we love him and that we are in him and we belong to him, we must be in his likeness. And being in his likeness is not perfection. It's not complete holiness. You can be incomplete in the process of being made complete. But it's the pursuit of that completeness in Christ that brings us into right thinking, right prioritizing of our belief systems. So, you know, and again, I'm not, a, you know, I'm unlike Crispin, I'm somebody, I'm an outward processor. So many times I'll say something and I like trigger something else off of my mind that I'm like, maybe we need to talk about that too. So take this this morning as, you know, I, I want us together as a body, as a community of people to see the power of God in our lives, which is the manifestation of his love. Because his love, when internalized, heals. It cleanses. It restores. It gives us the ability to walk through trials and tribulations, but never lose heart nor peace. But we discard that as, that's not power. That is power. Talk to someone who struggles with depression, struggles with broken heart, nothing medicine, Joy, spending money, shopping, buying things, accumulating, doesn't heal anything that is working under the surface of us. And so really, what God's priority for our life is, is one, that we know him. And two, that we begin this process of reconciliation, allowing God to reconcile us and through us. This is a participatory place to be. This is where we participate with God on a daily basis, in honesty. So if it's to live like Jesus did, then I have to ask myself a very simple question next. Then what did Jesus prioritize? Is it loving those we disagree with? Enemies, strangers, and other inconvenient people who wander into our lives, while we also have unsettled theological issues about the Bible, God, Jesus, Christianity, the universe, humanity. Or... Is it focusing our energies on establishing and maintaining and defending sound doctrine to the extent that we either do not have time or it does not enter our mind to show loving kindness to others? Or we justify sacrificing loving kindness in the efforts to establish and maintain and defend proper thinking? It's on the bulletin. I know it's a lot. You can read it. But those are very two important questions. What does God want from us? You ever feel like that? You Just throw it up, throw your hands up. God, what do you want? What do you really want from us? And I can tell you what he wants is that our belief systems, our theology, and our opinions to not override his love. I know it's not profound, but I promise you it's important. I promise you, if you get that, it's important. If our belief systems and our opinions are held higher than the pursuit of the love of God for us and others, then we have an idol. We have a false religion, a false image of God. And the likeness, as we begin to walk out this life in these belief systems, our likeness, we have a voice that sounds like God. We have a form of godliness, but we're denying the very power of the gospel because we're walking away from the likeness of Jesus. But certain with our convictions of our belief systems, bringing destruction and division to the tune of 30,000 denominations. There's one body, there's one head, there's one Christ. And we find ourselves in really a mystery. I mean, it really is such a mystery. I mean, this is so big and profound that we must approach it with a with, with seriousness. Just like you would the seriousness of approaching your wife, the person you're going to marry, of approaching the idea of raising your children. I want to give you a a simple but a very clear picture of what I'm talking about. That would probably help sum this up some. It's in Matthew 5, 23 through 24. Jesus is saying, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer a sacrifice to God. You know, uh, I'm going to give you a little quick story. About a few weeks ago, I got to experience this firsthand, kind of. Someone very dear to me, we had a very stark disagreement. Um, It was pretty black and white. Um, and I had to make a decision to, to do something that I didn't want to do. Um, in making that decision, uh, my belief systems rose up over uh, the belief of what Jesus told me to do, which is to reconcile. And, and we got into this argument. I said some things that I didn't, I shouldn't have said. I wanted to cut them the way they cut me. I wanted them to feel the pain that they caused me. And I felt pretty good about it, honestly. Um <laughs> Until I got to church, <laughs> um, but you know I'm sitting out in the audience and we're getting ready to do communion. One worship that was it was really hard. Like I just something was missing in me that was that usually is there on a Sunday morning when I'm, when I'm this expectation to be in the presence of God and, and to just worship and get lost for 15 or 20 minutes and just focus on something other than myself, and I couldn't, there was just this thing that I just kept replaying what I said over and over and over, and then came the time for communion, that was awful, (laughs) you know, because I'm like, here I am, you know, I'm I'm about to go up here and do this ceremonial deal, and it just didn't feel right, and really, when I walked away from that Sunday, after all that happened, I, I spoke to my mother, it was a family member, of course, um, and we talked it out, and I had to write a pretty long text to this person, clear, truthful. Um, and w- once I expressed and I apologized and I realized that I, I had done wrong in the situation, maybe it wasn't the same elevation of what, was, what the, the original problem was, but I did wrong. And I came to a point of almost breaking a relationship over something that's an object. And I just got just this conviction And as I walked out through this process and I sent this text message to this person and they didn't they did reply. It wasn't very nice. Um, But I just in that moment, it was the same sensation that I got when I'm up here worshiping or taking communion. There was a lifting from my heart and from my conscience. And I'm going I'm determined this situation will be reconciled. It may take time. But that's how serious God takes this. This is not just some flippant thing that we ignore. Relationships and love and community and unity are the foundations of the teachings of of Jesus Christ and the foundations of the kingdom. Interestingly enough, this other person, he told me that he he knows I'm in church and I, I do this thing and that's his favorite thing to poke at, you know. Oh, you're a Christian, huh? You know, and he's going low. Uh, touche. It's a good play, but you know, it really broke my heart to see that. Stepping back from the from that place and looking at the situation, how just dumb it was, and how selfish it was on both our parts. And you have to understand that. This here for us, not only reconciliation, is not just to make everything good and to go back to a place of kumbaya and it's a place of nothing ever happened. It's not that. Reconciliation is something that begins with you. It begins with you. It begins with your honesty about who you are, what you are, and what you did. And approaching that person in a spirit of not accusation not in trying to prove your point and come out of this thing, oh, I was right and you were wrong, but valuing that person the way that Christ values that person because you and I were reconciled to Christ when we were enemies of Christ. That God did not come to just swoop up those that just loved him. In fact, it was the people that had the right belief systems, had all the ceremonial things in place that he comes and he, quite frankly, just... Tries destroys that whole concept. So it's a clear picture, and there's three things I think we can take away from this, this scripture here. In order to worship God acceptably, we must do justice to our fellow man. Secondly, it is our duty to seek reconciliation with others if we have injured them. This should be done before we attempt to offer God our ceremonial worship. That's what that scripture speaks to me is that God is more concerned about the state of who we are and the state of our relationships than he is with our belief systems. Again, not going to blow your socks off with revelation, but these are the things, these are the principles that is the priority of Jesus. God never desired sacrifice, but, he, but a broken spirit, a repentant heart, and mercy is what the book of Psalms tells us. And I believe, uh, you know, I believe what that is speaking to is, one, an honest self-examination of the heart. I believe it's what a broken spirit is. When you can be honest with your own stuff, and you're not trying to cover it up, With Facebook posts where it all looks perfect and you're living a Pinterest lifestyle. (laughs) Everything's just beautiful and order. We all know it ain't. Let's get real. (laughs) Two, willingness to change the way that we see and think about life and others. I believe this is a repentant heart. It's hard to change when you've been offended especially when it begins to become callous over your heart and your mind. Again, the danger of it is if we value belief over reconciliation, you will move away from the center of Jesus, becoming more callous in your heart, but more as vengeful with your beliefs. It's a very sticky place to be. And number three, willingness to show compassion and forgiveness. Mercy. Why should we? Why should we forgive? Simple. We were forgiven. Because we are forgiven. Mercy is extended to us daily. Daily. Every moment, the mercies of God are new. So why shouldn't we do the same? This is about living this stuff. But let me tell you, when you begin to prioritize this in your life, I promise you, you will begin to see the power of God. It may not be the fireworks. You may not land a job on TBN. You may not be seen for it. It may not feel like power. But it's somewhere in that Bible where it says he took the weak to overcome the strong, and he took the foolish to confound the wise. This is so simple, a child could follow it. But belief systems have a way of, uh, when we value belief over reconciliation, it has a way of puffing us up to where our intellect becomes our God. And this pride begins to brew and breed. And you win a few arguments, you get a few knocks in your belt, and you feel good, and it empowers that even more. And all the while, you're moving further, further, further away from Christ. I don't care if someone's evangelical. I don't care if they're Presbyterian. I mean, there's thirty thousand. I'm not going to name them, folks. (laughs) I don't care. We're people. We breathe. We want. We need. We desire. We're all the same. We're all the same. So let us treat one another the way that we want to be treated. In this, you will find and see the power of God manifest in your life. I promise you, it is principle. Healing will come. You know, this past year, I had probably one of the craziest years of my life medically, just all kind of things going haywire. 30 30 sucks, man. I want to go back to 30. (laughs) I know. Oh, Lord Jesus, come. You know, but going through this season of just having my body not function the way it used to, and and, and a lot of the imbalances, and uh, I was somebody, I I take a lot of pride in in not being dumb, or try to, which is probably pretty dumb. (laughs) But it has slowed me down to such a degree that it's caused me to see some things in my life that I don't think I would have saw before. And I have a gratitude for health and life like I've never had before. It seems like all the complexities of my mind have been whittled down to just a few simple things. And I'm loving it. But I'm still trying to walk this thing out. I'm still trying to implement these simplicity of truth into my life daily. And I've been seeing the benefit of it. I've been seeing restoration in my body. I've been seeing restoration of my mind. I've been feeling an energy of simplicity that that is... More compelling than than the high that I lived on. of That constant distressful place of rocking and rolling and going. Following Jesus requires us to receive and accept and develop a life of love and truth. It requires it. You will not get around it. And if you do, just enjoy the ride. This is us presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice to God, allowing God to, like I said, to reconcile us, allowing God. You have to give God that place. He does not take it. When you're wrong and you know you're wrong, God will not make you right that wrong. You have to. This is where we participate. This is where the uplifted hands and all of your gifts and talents mean nothing. When you're in that place and you're feeling the weight of it all, maybe it's a bad marriage, maybe it's a broken marriage, maybe it's broken children. We all have stuff. That is the place to where none of your earthly gifts and understandings will deliver you. It will not. I believe in medication. I thank God for medication. I take it. But there's too many people on Prozac. There's too many people on things that have to keep them together. Now, I know some of that is just genetic. In my scenario, it was stress. In my scenario, it was this constant needing something that I didn't know. I did. Why do I need what I need? Why do I feel like I have to achieve and, and get and prosper and all these things that are external? while neglecting the internal part of myself. Jesus and the gift of reconciliation keeps us in the place to where it keeps our priorities straight. The gift of reconciliation is for us, but also for others through us. And when we participate in mending other people, you find you begin to mend yourself. Yes? Yes? There's a, you know, what it comes down to really is this when I, when I think about this topic, is, is there always seems to be a, a love versus truth thing. You know, I've had people that tell me something just awful. It's because I love you. I'm like, that doesn't sound like it, but <laughs> it may be truthful, but it hurt. And then there's people that in my life I've seen that I've, I've gone to counseling for at times even. And because they love me, they just tell me how great I am but then not really give me any direction on anything because they don't want to hurt me or they're just not wanting to be in that place. And I found a quote by uh, an author, uh, Timothy Keller, that I, I thought was fantastic. Love without truth is sentimental. It supports and affirms us but keeps us in denial about our flaws. Truth without love is harshness. It gives us information but in such a way that we cannot really hear it. God's saving love in Christ, however, is marked by both radical truthfulness about who we are, yet also radical, unconditional commitment to us. The merciful commitment strengthens us to see the truth about ourselves and repent. The conviction and the repentance moves us to cling to and rest in God's mercy and grace. I I don't have to elaborate on that. So today, what I want you to hear is that God is more concerned about our reconciliation and the reconciliation of others than he is your belief system. In this room, we all have different beliefs to various degrees. What I'm saying is that in these days that we're living, the world is crying out for humanity to be human. It really is, to where you're not treated as a product, to where you're not treated as a sale, where you're not treated just as an employee or a patient or an addict, but as a human. When we come to this place Of seeing that we have been reconciled when we had no right to be reconciled. How can you not say that we should participate in the ministry of reconciliation? So, for this church, I want to thank you because, in so many ways, five years ago, this place began to reconcile me. When I was on the way out the door, done, seeing too much. Hearing too much, my faith dwindling, and really not really caring about where I was going, I just walked through those doors. Now, I'll never forget what me, and my wife, said the first, uh, after the first Sunday we were here. We're like, this, that feels like home. You do this very well. Let's continue to do it. Let's continue to take this so serious to where we will not come and take of this gift of the blood and body and present ceremonial worship if we know that there is a fence against us that we have created. If we become a people that truly pursues Jesus with all of our hearts, all of our soul, and all of our mind, all of our understanding, I promise you we will see the power of God. And in fact, I'm sure some of you have the power of God operating in your life now. You'll see it on the back end probably. Keep going through what is hard doing the right thing. Keep doing the right thing. Keep believing when there's nothing to believe in. Keep praying. Keep seeking. I promise you, you will find. Reconciliation is still working through you. It is still working in you. Let it have its work. And when you find yourself in the position to be a part of that plan of reconciliation for others, be it. Let God do through you what he's done for you. That is a part of your reconciliation. Yes? Yes. I just have two questions that I want to end with that I want y'all to think about. One is, are there people or places in your life where God is trying to reconcile? Question two, if so, then will you allow it? Reconciliation, again, starts with honesty. You can't go to God and point out other people he doesn't listen to it put your heart on the examination table and allow God to mend it allow God to heal it allow him to reform it allow him to hold it reconciliation is the greatest demonstration of power that humanity has ever seen and it's one that we can participate in if we Value it over our own belief systems. I don't see, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, we're coming to a place. I can feel it. Just, I, I don't know how to say it, but I can feel it. I've been yapping and crisping about this for probably months. We are coming into something wonderful. We are coming into a place and a time in the spirit. That, that's where I stop. I can't, but it feels. We're coming in the truth. We're going to come into truth in a way that we have never, it's going to be clarity like blue skies. It will be so clear. All the things that we have fought for and have been offended for, have been devastated for, will all be removed. And we're going to see so clearly that truly the kingdom of God is at hand. Grab it and let it lead you. Let it take you where you don't know where you're going. Let it take you to a place that's unfamiliar where your reliance upon Him again allow it to bring you out of your comfort zone. We are coming into a time to where reconciliation will be the ministry of the church. It will be the only business of the church. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son Let's walk in truth. And if we say we are in him, let's live like him. Yes? yes. I love you guys. Um, before I dismiss you, I, I want to pray over you guys. I, I just want to pray a prayer as a group this morning. Um, and, if, and if you need any particular prayer for anything, uh, I'll be up here this morning. Chris will come up. Let's pray with you. Um, Father, I thank you for your body. I thank you that you included us in your body. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes and illuminate our eyes to the understanding of Christ. I pray that we would allow you to reconcile our hearts, our soul, our body. And I pray that we have a willingness to allow you to do the same through us for others. Lord, we love you and we thank you that it, we ourselves, we know our own junk, we know our own deceit, we know our own selfish motivations at times, and we thank you that you do not counter it against us. I pray that we would understand your priorities and your natures this week as we go along. Bless your people, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You're done.